Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thank you for joining us. Hope you had a good weekend. I am in Sedalia, Missouri, broadcasting from the Missouri Farm Bureau building at the Missouri State Fair. And it is a beautiful day, a big, big day here at the fair, especially for Farm Bureau members. Uh, Family Farm Day, they come in uh, from all around the state and for a lot of activities. And we will be talking on our program today with the president of Missouri Farm Bureau, Garrett Hawkins, talk about some of the issues that are uh, priorities for the Missouri Farm Bureau, for Missouri farmers. And we'll also be talking with Chris Chin, the Missouri Director of Agriculture. And we will be talking with State Fair Director Mark Wolf. All of that coming up on today's program from here at the Missouri State Fair. But we'll start things off with a check on the news and we welcome Phil Brasher from AgriPulse Communications. Phil, good to talk with you. How are you? Yeah, yeah great to be here. Let's talk about this infrastructure uh, package that uh, moved out of the Senate, but now amendments are coming into play and how is that going to impact uh, its progress now from this point on? Well, I don't think the amendments themselves, I believe you're talking about the amendments that the uh, Senate uh, uh, probably debated on their budget resolution, their $3.5 trillion budget resolution, which they took up last week right after the infrastructure bill. Uh, those were uh, mostly efforts by Republicans to get uh, Democrats on the record on a number of issues, taxes, mm -hmm. energy issues, and so forth. So they, they play into the politics, the interplay of the politics between the infrastructure and uh, uh, the, this next spending package, this $3.5 trillion spending package that the uh, president wants. But we'll see. Uh, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi put a new wrinkle into that yesterday uh, when she told House members that she's exploring the idea of having votes on both that budget resolution and the infrastructure bill uh, coming up later, uh, uh, starting the week of uh, August the 23rd, uh, next week. So that was a uh, kind of a strategic move by Republicans to get Democrats on the record. Uh, I mean, that, that, that makes it interesting as this moves forward. It, some of them, uh, you know, may f feel some pressure back home. Yeah, what you saw is some uh, some Democrats peel off on some energy issues, clean energy issues, um, fossil fuel issues. One of the uh, one of the things I was watching is uh, Senator Thune from South Dakota had an amendment, basically committing, trying to commit the Senate to preserving stepped-up basis and existing uh, inheritance tax uh, uh, law. Um, all of the Democrats voted for it, of course, all of the Republicans. That's not binding, so we'll, you know, what that means down the road. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's the sort of thing that uh, the Republicans used this debate to do. It's something unique with the budget process and the budget resolution is this ability to offer these amendments that the uh, majority may not like. 
The tax issue is an issue here at the uh, Missouri State Fair. I can tell you here at the Missouri Farm Bureau building, I see a big sign on, on the wall here, don't tax death. And they have uh, stickers that they're <laughs> handing out as well for people to wear. So it's, it is a big issue indeed. Hey, uh, there's a uh, new study out by the International Trade Commission saying fertilizer imports from Russia and Trinidad and Tobago are likely harming U.S. industries. So uh, what can you tell us about that and what, what could this lead to? Well, this is, uh, I, you know, IT, the ITC is in, and the Commerce Department work together when there's a, a case that uh, uh, domestic producers uh, try to make a case that they're being unfairly hurt by imports that are uh, priced below their, their cost of production. We see this a number of times with agriculture. So this is, this is one step in this case that... Uh, uh, having to do with uh, urea imports. Uh, obviously, th what this would lead to down the road are tariffs on imp uh, imports of urea. And anytime you've got these cases that put these uh, countervailing duties or tariffs mm -hmm. on uh, imported products or ingredients or whatever, you're going to uh, increase the cost of those to the uh, domestic user. Yeah, that's that's going to be a story to watch. I think, don't you? Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. You know, obviously, a lot of uh, a lot of our fertilizers are uh, uh, are imported, so uh, you know, a significant amount of them, and hydrous ammonia has, but uh, others as well, uh, even in even larger amounts. So, uh, yeah, anytime you raise the the cost of those inputs, uh, you're going to raise the cost of uh, growing uh, a bushel of corn or another commodity. Mm -hmm. Hey, Phil, what has the reaction been there around Washington, D.C. to the Biden administration's asking OPEC to pump more oil? Well, <laughs> it's kind of been subsumed in some of the other issue, issues like Afghanistan. I, you certainly have got right. some, it certainly raised some eyebrows that, uh, wait a minute, <laughs> we're trying to reduce fossil fuel uh, consumption, but all of a sudden, you know, prices are, uh, price of gasoline is going up. This has always been a, a little bit of a tricky uh, issue for, for Democrats because they know consumers are very sensitive uh uh, to the price of gasoline and uh, any kind of consumer good. There's nothing that consumers are more sensitive to than the price of gasoline, maybe food. And uh, But you don't see the price of food displayed uh, by your road. Uh, so, you know, but at the same time, Democrats would like Americans to use less gasoline and, you know, drive electric vehicles and so forth. So uh, that's why this is, it, you know, it sort of points up points out the uh, the difficulty of this of this issue and trying to reduce um, um, fossil fuel consumption. The other thing lacking in all this is any uh, support or more support from the administration for biofuels. We're still, we're not seeing that. Yeah, and I don't know how much you're going to see this. They they are a full, uh, they are all in on shifting Americans into electric vehicles as much as they can. Now with with trucking and with uh, uh, airlines in particular, it's very difficult to do that. Where you can do it, and where it's it's obviously much more feasible, is with electric vehicles. And uh, 
So if you're trying to reduce gasoline consumption, there's less of a market for biofuels. Um, I think I think you're going to see, and you're already seeing, what the administration is really interested in when it comes to biofuels is in the is in the area of renewable diesel and in sustainable aviation, renewable jet fuel. So you, yep. that's where you're seeing their focus. That's what they want to talk about. That's what folks tell, tell me they want to talk about when I talk to administration officials. They want to talk about those areas. We're going to get reaction to all ethanol. that from the ethanol industry. Yeah, we're going to get reaction from the ethanol industry to that on tomorrow's program. Phil, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks. Take care. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. We'll take a break. When we come back to the Missouri State Fair, Missouri Director of Agriculture Chris Chin joins us. Stay with us. This is AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise, We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, before we get into what's in there for infrastructure, it's kind of set up to get the $1.2 trillion for roads and ports and waterways, bridges and broadband. To get that, they're going to have to pass another $3.5 trillion. As much as I understand the need for the physical infrastructure, if you add all that other on there, it seems like a pretty high price to pay. The worry with the economy is that we're actually going to be overheating rather than underheating. And a legitimate question to ask is, is this the time to keep adding trillions of dollars of spending on to Americans? What normal people would do is they would say, great, we've got an area of consensus and agreement. Let's pass it. But no, what Washington, D.C. does is they say, we've got an area of consensus. Let's attach some controversial things onto it and make the passage of the consensus issue contingent upon the passage of a controversial portfolio. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. 
Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. I'm at the Missouri State Fair, Sedalia, Missouri, broadcasting from the Missouri Farm Bureau building, which usually is packed for people getting in and out of the heat to be in the air conditioning. Not so much so today. It is a perfect day, beautiful day, and a lot of their activities, uh, the Farm Bureau activities, are actually even going to be held outside. The weather is so nice. So um, big crowds here, and joining us now is the Missouri Director of Agriculture, Chris Chin. And Chris, good to see you again. And just the fact that the fair is going on, that's big news, right? It is, and we are so excited that the weather has cooperated. We're glad to see so many people out with their families, enjoying the last few days of summer before school starts. Um, And everyone just seems really happy to be here. There are those who are, though, critical, saying, what about COVID and the outbreaks? what precautions do you take here when you're holding a fair during these times? Well, we do have masks available at every admission gate for those who forget theirs or who want them. We also um, have extra sanitation going on on the state fairgrounds and every day from four to six for those who have not been vaccinated. In the Matthewson Center, we do have a vaccination clinic there where they can receive the J&J shot if they choose to do so. And the fact that so much of it's outside, that makes a big difference, right? It does. You know, most of our activities are held outside um, under open air buildings. And and it's just really a great, great atmosphere. The weather has been perfect. There's been a nice cool breeze almost every day at the fair. And it's just really a safe place for families to come and enjoy the outdoors and to see Missouri agriculture highlighted. And this really is a showcase for Missouri agriculture. We're talking with Missouri Director of Agriculture, Chris Chin. as far as the fairgrounds itself, after the year off last year, were any improvements made or any changes made to the fairgrounds? We've had a lot of improvements. If you haven't had a chance to get to our sheep pavilion, you should get out over there. We had a complete renovation of that building and brand new bathrooms. It's a really nice facility now. We had a lot of electrical upgrades in our swine barn. We had a lot of work done on our horse barns as well. And the biggest addition is we no longer have a tent that we used to call the director's tent where we held a lot of large gatherings. We have a brand new pavilion over there thanks to the Missouri legislature and a lot of work by Governor Parson as well. And so we're really excited to start hosting events in that facility this year as well. Let's talk about some of the issues that Missouri farmers are certainly concerned about. And You know, look around the state, you've had weather challenges here or there overall though it seems pretty good compared to some years past but you've had areas of of, of um, trouble and I, I talked with one farmer here who said wind knocked down his corn it's flat so you've got some issues around the state we do we have a lot of pockets where there has been a lot of devastation as you said from the weather we have a lot of corn that has been laid over as you said we have a lot of barns that are missing roofs or have been completely demolished so there are still a lot of challenges out there but when you look at our overall crop progress Missouri is really looking pretty good overall as a state as a whole you know we're getting ready to have one of the largest corn crops that we've ever seen in the state of Missouri as well as soybeans too so so there are a lot of bright spots for Missouri agriculture 
right now, but for those who have had that devastation, our hearts still go out to them. As we look at some of the issues that uh, you're dealing with at the Department of Agriculture, what would you say are the top ones that you are hearing from farmers about? You know, I think when it comes to the livestock, the markets, that's one of the biggest concerns that they have. Farmers are always nervous when it comes to trade. You know, right now, trade with China on the grain side has been really good, but that always makes everyone nervous when all of our eggs are in one basket, of course. And so, you know, looking at those other market opportunities that are out there and making sure that we're doing everything we can to explore those for our farmers and ranchers seems to be something they talk about quite a bit. Climate change and all of the... the um, talk that has been going on around that you know while there might be some excitement there there's still a lot of concern for our farmers and ranchers and that uneasiness of the unknown and so you know as you talk about the carbon trading while that sounds exciting when you start to dig in it's really a confusing concept and our farmers are very concerned about that as they should be we've been down that road before we it have did, didn't turn out so well before and i'm sure there are a lot of questions that you're getting how do we do that? How do we, we hear about these, oh, this could be an income stream for farmers, but there are a lot of questions about it, right? And do you get a lot of those questions? We do. We get a lot of questions about that. We get a lot of concern from farmers themselves saying, you know, it might be good for one year, but what's in the fine print? What am I actually signing up for in the second, third, fourth, and fifth years of these contracts? And how do I know that it's good long-term for my family farm? Is it going to ensure that I can bring the next generation home, or, or am I entering into something that's going to tie the hands of the future of our family farm? And what's the best way to get answers to those questions? You know, it's really difficult right now because there's so many people giving different advice on this issue. Um, you know, usually we would say turn to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, but right now, you know, they're still trying to determine themselves what the best avenue is for that. And so I, I just think... You know, if, if I was in their shoes, I would not be signing anything without having a an attorney look at it who actually specializes in that and someone that you trust because there's a lot of fine print in those contracts and it is very intimidating. And, you you know, I share their concern. What happens to the future of that farm if you do this? Document Missouri Director of Agriculture, Chris Chin. Chris, I know you, you work a lot with farmers, obviously, but a big part of what you do at the Department of Ag is try to promote agriculture to the urban areas, right? It is. You know, we want to make sure that people understand where their food comes from. With so, mo so much talk nowadays with sustainability and agriculture and, and all of the new catchphrases that are out there when it comes to agriculture, it's really important that we make sure people in urban areas know that farmers and ranchers care for their land, they care for the environment, they care for their livestock, they always have and they always will. And so at the end of the day, we want to make sure that the accurate story of agriculture is, is told, not only in our rural areas, but also in our urban areas as well, because we want to make sure that the people understand all farmers and ranchers at the end of the day, no matter how they farm, they want to make sure they're providing a safe and abundant product for their families and their neighbors as well. An issue that you and I have talked about before, it's an issue not just in Missouri, but other states, but Missouri's been one of the key states, and that's the dicamba issue. What kind of year has it been have you been getting a lot of dicamba complaints this year? You know, we have had a few complaints this year. We had a lot of people calling our office wanting an extension from the EPA on the cutoff dates. We, we had really slow starts to planting this year. We had a lot of rain, and so there were a lot of challenges with that. But EPA made it very clear to us that their cutoff date was non-negotiable. They were not going to be allowing anything else, um, you know, than what 
the label said. And so, you know, we just tried to convey that message the best that we could, but we have had some complaints this year. We are down compared to where we have been in previous years, so that's a, a good thing. Um, but we just continue to make sure that our farmers and ranchers are being good stewards of those products because what we don't want to see happen is to see that technology go away um, because the fear is with the environmental activists that are out there is once they get their foot in the door that other products that are very useful on the farm will go away as well too. So th this is a fine line, right? I mean, there are there are legitimate concerns out there. There have been some kind of bogus concerns where people blame dicamba when it wasn't dicamba. So you have both of those. But also, and I talk with farmers about this too, they are concerned about losing the technology. So you've got all this at play here. Yeah, it's exactly right. You know, we're on year one of a five-year uh, label with this and so it's very important that we're good stewards of this technology moving forward because if we lose the technology early in that label we're not going to get it back and if you do get it back it's going to be more restrictive than what it is today and so we've got to make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect that technology but also to encourage manufacturers to look at new technologies and so if, if we lose technologies early in their development and early in that label, then it's very discouraging for those companies to make that investment in other technologies moving forward. Let's talk about the meat processing industry, which has been very much in the news, and uh, there's been some funding from the federal government. How is that, has that made its way to Missouri? Has that helped at all? Well, in the state of Missouri, our state legislature actually gave us $20 million last year um, for small and medium-sized meat processors who had 200 or less employees. And so that has really made a big difference for the state of Missouri. We now have 56 state inspected facilities in the state of Missouri. So we doubled what we had previously. And um, we've doubled the amount of red meat under state inspection. We have 17 new custom exempt facilities for a total of 276 across the state of Missouri. And we were able to fund a lot of improvements to 62 existing USDA inspected facilities as well. So even before the federal money has, was available, our state legislature was able to make a difference for our livestock producers and consumers in the state of Missouri with that $20 million investment. And one other key issue quickly before we let you go, broadband access. Yes, broadband is still a high priority for me. Uh, living in a rural area, I know the challenges that farmers and ranchers are facing at their farms. So we're continuing to work on that. We have a lot of state funds that are that are coming available to us because of our state legislature, but we also have some federal dollars that are going to be coming down to the state. And we're working on a state level to make sure that we're using that money to get as far as we can in our rural and even in some of our urban mm -hmm. areas. Good to see you again. Good to see you, Mike. Take Thanks care. For being All here. right. Missouri Director of Agriculture, Chris Chen. She's about to go across the room to a press conference that will be going on. You'll probably hear that in the background when we come back. We're going to talk with uh, Garrett Hawkins, President of Missouri Farm Bureau, about some of these issues we were just talking about with Director Chen. Stay with us. From the Missouri State Fair in Sedalia, you're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast, called Field Posts. 
Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at the Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Wheat prices have surged higher since the USDA reports on Thursday morning last week. World wheat supplies were tightened by cuts in Russia, Canada, and U.S. production estimates. Active overseas buying lifted wheat prices prior to these smaller numbers. Corn has been influenced by the tight supplies and price action of wheat as well. On the Board of Trade, September corn trading four and a half cent lower at five sixty-three and three quarters. The December contract down five and a half cent at five. 67 and three quarters for soybeans. The September contract down two and a half cent at 13.70 and a half cent. The November contract down two and a half cent at 13.62 and a half cent. For wheat, Chicago wheat September up three and three quarters at 7.66. Kansas City wheat September up a penny and a half cent at 7.43 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat September up a penny and three quarters at 9.46. The December contract two cents higher at 9.31 and a half cent. With a recap of the livestock market last week, live cattle had little to go on last week as cash did not perform as anticipated. Feedlots had high hopes of higher cash, but that did not materialize. In fact, cattle trade was limited with packers going through the end of the week with limited volume of cash cattle traded to replenish their supplies. On Friday, choice cuts jumped $6.90 higher with select cuts up $7.71. For live cattle on the Board of Trade, the October contract down 27 at 127.85. The December contract down 52 at 133.30. For feeders, September down a dollar 85 at 161.22. October down a dollar 47 at 164.50. In lean hogs, October a dollar 82 higher at 88.35. The December contract a dollar 50 higher at 81.67. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. Eleven million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, 
Back to Mike Adams. Back here at the Missouri State Fair, Sedalia, Missouri. Always a good time here at the fair and good to be at the Missouri Farm Bureau building. And we appreciate uh, them hosting us uh, when we come here to the fair. And good to see my very good friend, the president of Missouri Farm Bureau, Garrett Hawkins. How are you, sir? Good morning, Mike. It's, uh, well, we've talked here many, many times, but never with you as president. How's that going? It's crazy. No, it, it is incredibly humbling, and truly it's a blessing every day for Jennifer and the kids and me. And my first Farm Family Day as president, it's just, it's really cool. Yeah, this is a special day, Farm Bureau Farm Family Day here at the fair. It is, and actually my first experience at the Missouri State Fair was with my grandparents on Farm Bureau Day back many years ago, and that's truly where my love for the State Fair began when I was a little kid, and for whatever reason, I was the only grandchild that got to go with Grandma and Grandpa that day, <laughs> and Grandma packed a picnic lunch, and we watched the livestock shows, and it was a special experience and something I've always held close uh, through the years. I've always told people that have not been to the Missouri State Fair, you should come because it really is, well, it's an agricultural showcase for one thing, but it's you got a, a family feel here. It's like a big county fair in some ways. But it's a big county fair, and honestly, it's a reunion of our farm and ranch families. So a lot of my college friends bring their campers. They camp out for the week. Now their kids are showing livestock and it truly is a big reunion in so many respects, and, and that's what makes it so much fun that everyone looks forward to every year. Well, let's talk about some of the issues that, uh, of course, uh, Missouri farmers and farmers across the country are dealing with. Uh, one of the issues I know here in Missouri, uh, it, it, like other parts of rural America, the broadband issue, getting broadband access. Well, good morning, everyone. And we'll wait, and you can hear the uh, press conference starting behind us. Uh, but the infrastructure bill does have money in it for... Uh, broadband. There are a lot of other things in the infrastructure bill maybe not so uh, we're not so happy about, but uh, that would be a key area to help get broadband access. Yes, I guess as you, as you think about the entire infrastructure package, the true infrastructure is what's exciting to our members. And we are thrilled that there is a broadband component. You know that here in Missouri, we've been at the table for some time trying to figure out how to, to move the needle. Uh, working with our now Office of Broadband, working with Department of Agriculture, Department of Economic Development, and obviously Governor Parson. But we're continuing to look for ways, state and nationally, to make sure that uh, federal dollars become available in Missouri, but also we're making sure that we have the accountability on the back end. That as providers look to potentially serve these areas, we want to make sure that those dollars are put to good use and ultimately quality, affordable services put in place. You mentioned the infrastructure bill, <laughs> and you know I, I've talked a lot about this. There's so much support for hard infrastructure, but it's kind of being now wrapped into a lot of other things. So what do you do? You have concerns about that? We do. I mean, as any farmer or rancher, we all have concerns. I've heard it from my fellow Farm Bureau members. You know that that's the balancing act of supporting moving forward with true infrastructure investment that we have asked for for literally decades, in some extent. Um, and, and balancing it with these other things that truly are uh, an area or source of frustration for people. So we're going to continue to focus on that true infrastructure piece. And that to me has been the frustrating part in that Thank you, it, it contains some things that, as you said, agriculture has been pushing for for so long, but it comes at a price with all these other things that may be tied into it. It does, and that's why people get frustrated with Washington, D.C., honestly. 
I mean, and it's been like that for years, Mike. We've talked about this so many times through the years that let's keep these pieces of legislation as clean as possible. Um, but again, you know, now the conversation has shifted to clean infrastructure, clean energy. And, you know, again, we want to be at the table in all these discussions. It's just a lot of those true beliefs and frustrations that our members have aren't going away. Then we talk about the pay-fors, and a lot of that gets into the tax issues, and I see that your sign here, uh, don't tax debt. So that's a big issue for your members. Huge. I mean, common sense tax policy is critical. I mean, we experience it every day on our farms. We're talking about farm transition with my parents, and I can't go anywhere around the state without getting questions from our members about where is tax policy heading because those conversations are folding into conversations they're having with their lawyers, accountants, etc. But ultimately the concern comes down to how are we going to be able to transition this to the next generation? And there's so much that from a thousand miles away decisions are being made uh, that folks don't understand the implications on the ground. You know, Mike, I think back to, it was the 2000s when we were working to raise the estate tax exemption. And we had a farm family in Southwest Missouri that at that time were on a 10 year payment plan with the IRS to pay an estate tax bill so that they could keep that farm in the family. All because someone in Washington DC set an arbitrary line and they fell above it. Therefore, they were on a 10 year payment plan that every day they woke up thinking about how they were going to first pay that tax bill. I believe that's wrong. And there are a lot of different proposals out there. We hear about transfer tax, and and we hear them, we hear them say, well, as long as you keep the farm and the family, then you don't have to worry about. Well, we know things happen, and sometimes you may want to sell it or need to sell it or whatever. I mean, so uh, whether it's direct or indirect, these are big issues and affect more people than maybe uh, you know. I keep hearing, well, it doesn't affect that many people. Well. If it affects even one person, it's big for that family, obviously, but it does affect quite a few people. You know, I would encourage folks to take a look at the Texas A&M study that, looked at, that looks at the proposals that are on the table and just see when they run it through their representative farm model what the impact is. When you have 94 representative farms, that 92 of the 94 would be hit with a significant tax bill if the code changes in ways that the discussions are, are headed. We're talking with Garrett Hawkins, president of Missouri Farm Bureau here at the Missouri State Fair. So taxes, infrastructure, those are those are key issues. Energy is a big issue as well. I mean, Missouri is a big biofuels producing state. And the administration, not only are they pushing for more electric vehicles, but now asking OPEC to pump more oil. After all these years, we've worked to get away from dependence on foreign oil. Mike, for years, you can, I can pretty much recite Missouri Farm Bureau policy and American Farm Bureau policy when it comes to energy, because for years we have called for an all-the-above approach to American energy to make sure that we are energy independent. And it wasn't too long ago that we were touting the fact that we were energy independent, and now here we go again. Now listen, we're all about renewables, we're all about alternative energy, but at the same time, we've got to have some common sense. We have to make sure that we are pro-American energy, right? And for us in agriculture, as a farmer myself, you think about everything we touch is tied to energy virtually. And communicating that message and helping folks in Washington D understand that you pull this lever, this is the impact on agriculture in terms of higher input costs. And, and we've got to make sure that we are being absolutely vigilant 
uh, diligent about connecting the dots about our dependence on energy. Now, again, we're a part of the solution here, and that's the way we're going to approach this, but we're not going to, to hesitate to defend <laughs> what we believe is just common sense, that we should be focused on energy independence here in the U.S. of A. You mentioned higher input costs, and that's a big focus right now, too. I mean, yes, commodity prices are higher, but so are those input costs. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, actually, I just talked to um, some economists with the Federal Reserve last week about just that fact. I mean, my fertilizer bill alone on our farm this past spring, when Jennifer opened the bill, she's like, what did you do, honey? Uh, but that's the reality. Anytime that we see commodity prices rise, we see inputs follow. And the question always becomes, what happens when commodity prices start to tick back down? Do inputs fall as quickly? And so I know a lot of my fellow cattle guys were trying to figure out how to do some fall fertilizer. And these are the questions on everybody's mind. As a cattle guy, what do you think of these proposals to address cattle markets, more transparency, you know, some pushing, for, you know, for big changes, others not as big of changes. What's Farm Bureau looking at it and calling for here? I am pro-difficult discussion, meaning that this has come, we have tinkered around the edges for some time. And, and every time we see extreme volatility, there's more interest in doing something or at least having the difficult discussions, and then it wanes, right, as prices moderate. So, so we're supporting uh, the Hartzler uh, bill in, in the House, um, as well as Senator Fisher's bill in the Senate, which would probably be uh, a little bit... Um, I'm trying to think of it's probably more of a modest approach to, to looking at transparency in markets. But ultimately, as a livestock producer, I think all of us just want, let's have the difficult discussions. Let's bring the right economists to the table. Let's talk about what has happened and make sure that, that ultimately um, we have more transparency in the market. Because that's, that's the frustration I hear among my fellow cattlemen is, you know, we just want to make sure that there is transparency. I think the A Power wants you over at the press conference, so I'm going to let you go. But it's great to see you, and thanks for uh, hosting us again here this year. Appreciate well, it. Glad to do it. Thank you for being in Sedalia. Enjoy the fair. Take care, my friend. Garrett Hawkins, president of Missouri Farm Bureau. And again, we are broadcasting from the Missouri Farm Bureau building here on the state fairgrounds in Sedalia. Press conference going on right behind us, uh, updating people on what's going on here at the Missouri State Fair. They, they had a, kind of a rocky start with a storm uh, right at the very beginning, but now the weather is beautiful and good crowds are turning out. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Mark Wolf, the uh, director of the Missouri State Fair. We'll find out from him how he feels things are going, check their livestock numbers and uh, exhibitor numbers and things like that and what's on the schedule for the rest of the fair. So stay with us as we broadcast from Sedalia, Missouri, the Missouri State Fair broadcasting from the Missouri Farm Bureau building. And we'll have more on the Missouri State Fair coming up next. Stay with us. You are listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. 
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner too. Through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out, and for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day, our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, what is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com. A gentle breeze blows across your face as you take a refreshing sip of water, appreciating the stillness of another morning fishing on the lake. The distant gurgle of a stream reminds you of days spent playing in the creek, the cool, clear water rushing between your toes. You love this time with nature, the feeling of putting everything on hold to connect with the world around you. Now, imagine it's all gone. No fish, no lake, no water. One of life's most vital resources, irreplaceably depleted. Time is running out to protect fresh water, and without our love, it can and will disappear. It's our choice. Love it or lose it. Help protect our fresh water. Visit World Wildlife Fund at wwf.org love.
Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Lance Zimmerman with Cattle Facts. There's good prices on the board right now for cattle producers if they're feeding corn. It could be a little bit of a tricky situation right now, but as you alluded to, there still is plenty of opportunity out there for profitability if you're smart about your marketing. The rule in cattle feeding, right, is usually buy your profitability. Uh, both on the corn and the cattle side and the last 18 12 to 18 months have been tough on on a corn position for cattle feeders been great if you're the one grazing the corn right we're in a situation right now with corn basically sitting there in the the lower end of the five dollar range for a lot of producers that's probably an area some are taking some positions on at least trying to establish a, a floor price you know making sure they at least have some corn secured right now um, and we'll see what happens as we near harvest time, see if we put in some harvest time lows. But hopefully the worst of the weather threats are behind us on the corn side. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And back to the Missouri State Fair, Sedalia, Missouri, broadcasting from the Missouri Farm Bureau building. Happy to have with us now the uh, State Fair Director, Mark Wolf. Mark, good to be back. Good to see the fair going and lots of people here. Yeah, it is. Uh, good to see you, Mike. We, we have been waiting for this for a while. I tell you, we... Uh, staff's been pretty excited about getting back to uh, you know that full full fail, fair normal fair I guess whatever you want to call it we uh, had a great event last year with our youth livestock to kind of fill that time slot but uh, you know this is what a fair is supposed to look like. You got off to a little bit of rough start with weather right at the beginning but since then it's been good. Yeah you know we uh, we kind of thought uh, it was going to be a little bit rough that day we knew it was going to be hot that morning uh, opening ceremonies uh, we kind of got all that out of the way by the time the heat really hit and then uh, obviously to to get to where we're at now we needed to go through that front and uh unfortunately in the process lost our concert that night with trace atkins but you know that's uh that ha that happens we're used to that out here this is missouri so uh we we kind of plan for all kinds of weather how have your crowds been uh you know other than opening day was down a little bit but uh, we've been up every day uh since over 2019 numbers so that's uh you know that's outstanding i i'm i'm tickled to death of the way this has come come about and uh you know if the weather continues to cooperate i think we're gonna have uh, great great numbers at the end you've had to take some precautions obviously because of the of the virus and uh some have said is it safe to have a fair? I, it looks like it's going well here. What have you done to try to add extra precaution? Well, I can tell you that all the plans that we made for last year, uh, you know, we didn't we didn't actually step back to you know from the full full blown uh, fair last year until July 17th. So we were fully prepared last year with all the things that the CDC was saying that needed to be done to protect folks. We uh, we had purchased the uh, the fogging equipment and all these other components, and so. Even knowing uh, at that point when we knew that we weren't going to have the fair last year, we continued with the plan that this year we were going to do those same things. And we didn't, we haven't changed that programming at all. Uh, really tried to step up our game. Been a real struggle this year is just hiring help. You know, we, you know, we had that come up on us on the, on the backside of all this. So uh, kudos to the crews out here that are taking care of that. But we're doing everything we can to keep the, the facility safe for folks. Uh, obviously, people need to make decisions for themselves. Uh, about how they feel about crowds and things, and uh, we certainly respect uh, you know respect that. So, uh, so far, you know, everything's gone pretty smoothly, uh, and everybody seems to be doing well, and uh, uh, really great crowds and great weather. 
talking with Missouri State Fair Director Mark Wolf. How are your uh, exhibitor numbers? You know, we we were actually up. Uh, you know, it's uh, you, we have two lists. We have entered, and then we have shown. You know, the actual shown. And obviously, there's some turnover in that. You know, somebody's animal gets sick, and they end up not coming, and things like that. So, uh, we were up a little bit over last year. Uh, I can tell you in that youth livestock last year. Uh, the event that we did do, we were up 12% in, in junior livestock exhibitors, 12%. So that's that's huge. Uh, we're right there again. Um, you know, I laughed. I said, you know, you could tell all these, for years we needed more campsites for them. And, you know, didn't have enough exhibitor camping, and we were rolling them into the public campground to, to get them in here. And so last year we built 137 new sites. We'd routinely been about 100 sites short. Well, we just blew that out of the water. We're still short. So, uh, you know, can't, can't even keep up with the demand sometimes. So, uh, you know, I'm impressed. I, you know, I think our numbers are good. Uh, we heard our livestock superintendent David Dick talking about that a while ago. We got s some breeds are down a little, some are up. Uh, it kind of always fluctuates that way, but overall, uh, great entries. Director Chen told us earlier about the uh, the investments that have been made in infrastructure on the fairgrounds. Very significant. Yeah, you know, uh, state legislature uh, voted in favor of about nine to between nine and ten million dollars uh, for some renovation uh, that was. <laughs> sorely needed out here on the on the facility so we got all that completed last year and honestly i think a lot of it got utilized the new campsites were all finished up everything's 50 amp new sewer new water uh the brand new new corporate bin which we finally do get to use this year so everybody's excited about that uh, complete renovation of the sheep pavilion. I don't know if you had a chance to see that, Mike, but it, it it's beautiful. Just incredible uh, turnover to that facility. Uh, the swine barn had over a million dollars worth of electrical upgrades. Uh, our brick horse barn row was completely renovated. So a lot of work that's been needed done for a long time, and it, it, it really shows. It's really beautiful. A lot of things that maybe a lot of people don't notice or are aware of when they come to the fair, but it's a big part of uh, keeping the fairgrounds uh, updated. You know, we have such a beautiful historic facility here, and you couldn't replace these buildings. You know, we've got buildings out here built in 1901 and 1903 and the Coliseum in 1906. So, you know, a lot of historic structures out here that could not be replaced. And, you know, we feel like it's our responsibility as a team here to do everything we can to, to maintain those facilities. And obviously, it's a big enough project. We need the state's help. And so, uh, you know, hats off to the legislature. I always tell people, I mentioned this earlier, but I'll say it again, this fair is such a showcase for agriculture, and I know that's what you really center this fair around. You know, we don't want it to be any other way. That, that's that's the purpose of the fair as far as we're concerned. State Fair Commission is, you know, fully on board with that view of what the Missouri State Fair should look like. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of great state, state fairs all over this country. Uh, we're surrounded by them here in the Midwest because it's all agriculture, and they're, they're outstanding fairs. You know, you get to the edges of our country a little bit, and they kind of tend to start leaning a little more towards the entertainment side, the carnival, and things like that. Um, so it's pretty impressive. I, I've been to some other fairs, uh, got a chance to visit some in, uh, in Florida and in Southern California and places, and great fairs, but lot big crowds, bigger bigger groups of folks coming than we have here. Of course, they're in metropolitan areas, but it's mostly centered around the entertainment side. You know, they'd have one cattle barn, and everybody would go through that in a quick cycle, and then that's kind of gone. And out here, that dominates the scene, and that's the way it should be. So we're, we're very proud of that history of supporting agriculture, uh, and, that, and that's what we're here for. Still got a big week of activities to go, right? We do. Uh, like I said, mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, got the governor's hand breakfast coming up here this Thursday. Uh, looking forward to having that event in the brand-new uh, Nucor Pavilion. Uh, got some great entertainment coming up here on the back half of the fair, uh, so we're looking forward to seeing those folks on stage. Got Tyler Farr coming in, uh, you know, local guy here from Missouri. We're actually right here from Sedalia. So uh, got some great things coming up. Got Lucas Oil tractor pull-up going today, and 
you guys will hear that for sure. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> right across the street. But uh, a lot of really fun stuff coming up. Our steer show finals uh, tomorrow uh, is always a highlight. And then obviously one of the culminations of the fair as far as the exhi- uh, uh, exhibitor side is uh, sale champions uh, coming up this Saturday. So that's always a big event. Looking forward to that. Well, it's great to have the fair back and going again and seeing fairs around the country back going. County fairs this summer, state fairs now. It's just good to have them back. Mark, good to see you again. Thanks for all that you do. Mike, thank you. Appreciate your guys' support. You bet. Take care. That's Mark Wolf, Missouri State Fair Director. And again, beautiful weather, good crowds turning out here in Sedalia, Missouri for the Missouri State Fair. That wraps it up for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you'll be with us again tomorrow right here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.